Sixth Adventure, Part Two of Master Flea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Bob Neufeld. Master Flea by E. T. A. Hoffman. Sixth Adventure, Part Two. No sooner did Peregrine perceive his friend than he let go of the microscopist, and going up to him, asked anxiously if that strange frenzy were over which had so dangerously possessed him. Pepusch seemed softened, almost to tears, and protested that he had not in all his life committed so many follies as in the course of that one day. Amongst these, not the least was, that after he had sent a ball through his head in the forest, he had gone into a tavern, where he did not know, had talked to people of strange things, and murderously set upon the host, because, from his broken speech, he gathered that which was the very happiest thing that could befall him. All his paroxysms would now soon have reached the highest pitch, for the bystanders had taken his words for insanity, and he had to fear, instead of reaping the fruit of the happiest event, that he would be confined in a madhouse. With this he explained what the host had let drop concerning Peregrine's conduct and declarations, and asked, with downcast eyes, whether such an act of self-denial in favour of an unhappy friend was probable, or even possible, in the present day when heroism had vanished from the earth. At these declarations from his companion, Peregrine revived in his inmost heart. He protested with warmth that for his part he was far removed from doing anything that might in the least annoy his tried friend, that he solemnly renounced all pretensions to the heart and hand of the fair Dorcha Elverdink, and willingly gave up a paradise, though it had indeed opened upon him most seductively. "'And it was you,' said Pepusch, rushing into his friend's arms, "'it was you that I would have murdered. And because I did not believe you, I therefore shot myself. Oh, the madness of a mind ill at ease!' "'I pray you,' said Peregrine, I pray you come to your senses. You speak of having shot yourself, and yet stand fresh and sound before me. How do these things agree? You are right, replied Pepusch. It seems as if I could not speak to you so rationally as I really do, if I had actually sent a ball through my brain. The people, too, maintain that my pistols were not particularly dangerous, nor indeed of iron but of wood, in fact, mere toys, and so neither the duel nor the suicide could have been anything more than a pleasant mockery. We must have changed our parts, and I have begun to mystify myself and play the child, at the moment you have left the world of dream to enter into real life. But, be this as it may, it is requisite that I should be certain of your generosity and my fortune and then the clouds will dissipate which trouble my sight, or perhaps deceive me with the illusions of the Fata Morgana. Come, my peregrine, accompany me to the fair Dorcha Elverdink. Pepusch took his friend's arm and was hastening off with him, but their intended walk was spared, for the door opened, 
an intripped Dorcha Elverdink, lovely as an angel, and behind her the old Schrammer, Leuvenhoek, who had so long remained dumb, casting angry looks first at Pepusch and then at Peregrine, seemed, upon seeing the old Schrammerdam, as if struck by an electric shock. He stretched his clenched hands towards him, and cried out in a voice hoarse with rage, Ha! Do you come to mock me, you old deceitful monster? But you shall not succeed. Defend yourself. Your last hour has struck. Schwammerdam started a few steps back, and as Leuvenhoek was ready to fall upon him with his telescope, drew the like arms for his defence. The duel, which had begun at Peregrine's, seemed about to be renewed. George Pepusch threw himself between the combatants, and while with his left hand he beat down a murderous glance of Leuvenhoek's, which would have stretched his adversary to the earth, with the left he turned aside the weapon of Schwammerdam, so that he could not injure Leuvenhoek. He then declared that he would not allow of any battle between them till he thoroughly knew the cause of their dissension. Peregrine found this protest so reasonable that he did not hesitate to throw himself between the champions with a similar declaration. To this the combatants were forced to yield. Schwammerdam, moreover, asserted that he had not at all come with hostile intentions, but merely to enter into some composition with Leuvenhoek, and thus to end a feud which had so long divided two similarly created principles, whose united researches only could exhaust the deepest springs of knowledge. With this he looked smilingly at Peregrine, into whose arms Dorcha had fled, and expressed a wish that he would mediate. Leuvenhoek, on the other hand, admitted that Dorcha was indeed the apple of contention, but that he had just now discovered a new trick of his unworthy colleague. It was not only that, to revive his unjust pretensions to Dorcha, he denied the possession of a certain microscope which he had received on a certain occasion as a quittance, but the more to torment him, Leuvenhoek, he had given it to another. In answer to all this, Schwammerdam swore, high and low, that he had never received the microscope, and had great reason to believe that Leuvenhoek had shamefully purloined it. "'The fools!' softly whispered Master Flea to Peregrine. "'The fools! They are talking of the microscope which is in your eye. You know that I was present at the treaty of peace concluded between them about the possession of the princess, and when Schwammerdam was flinging into the pupil of his left eye the microscopic glass which he had, in fact, received from Leuvenhoek, I snapped it up, because it was not Leuvenhoek's, but my lawful property. Tell them plainly, at once, that you have the jewel. Upon this Peregrine made no hesitation in declaring that he was in possession of the microscopic glass which Schwammerdam should have received, but did not receive, from Leuvenhoek, and, moreover, that the union was not yet settled and neither Leuvenhoek nor Schwammerdam had at present the unconditional right to look on Dorcha Elverdink as his foster-daughter. After much argument it was agreed by the disputants that Mr. Tees should marry Dorcha Elverdink, who tenderly loved him, and then, after seven months, should decide which of the two microscopists was the most desirable father-in-law. 
However beautiful Dorcha appeared in a dress so admirable that it might seem to have been fashioned by the loves, and whatever burning looks of passion she might cast at Peregrine, yet he still thought of his protégé as well as of his friend, and remained true to his plighted word, declaring again that he renounced Dorcha's hand. The microscopists were not a little astonished when Peregrine announced George Pepouche for the man who had the justice claims to the princess, and that he, at all events, had no right to interfere with her choice. With tears in her eyes the maiden staggered towards Peregrine, who caught her in his arms as she was sinking senseless to the earth. "'Ingrate!' she sighed. "'You break my heart in thrusting me from you but you will have it. Take then my parting kiss, and let me die." Peregrine bent down to her, but when his mouth touched her mouth, she bit his lips so violently that the blood started, at the same time exclaiming merrily, "'Monster! It is so one must punish you. Be reasonable, be civil, and take me. Let the other cry out as he will. During this the two microscopists had fallen together by the ears again, heaven knows wherefore, while George Pepouche flung himself quite disconsolately at Gamahe's feet, and cried out in a voice that sounded wretched enough for any lover, "'Oh, Gamahe, is then your passion quite extinguished? Do you no more remember the glorious times in Famagusta? No more the pleasant days in Berlin? no more you are a fool interrupted the little one laughing you are a fool george with your gamahes your thistle zaharet and all the other nonsense that you must once have dreamed i did like you I do like you and will have you although the tall one yonder pleases me better if you solemnly promise nay swear to bend all your mind to here she softly whispered something to Pepouche, and Peregrine thought he collected that Master Flea was the subject of it. In the meantime the dispute between the microscopists had grown hotter and hotter. They had again recourse to their weapons, and Peregrine was busy in trying to soothe their wrath when the company was again augmented. The door was burst open amidst a strange screaming and croaking and in rushed the amateur, Monsieur Lejeunie, and the barber, Leech. With wild, furious gestures they flew upon the princess, and the barber had already caught her by the shoulder, when Papouche thrust away the odorous assailant with irresistible might, wound about his whole flexible body, and squeezed it together in such a manner that he shot up into the air, quite thin and long, roaring aloud with pain all the time. While this was going on with the barber, the two microscopists had reconciled themselves in an instant on the appearance of the common enemy, and made a united attack on the amateur with much success. It availed him nothing that, when he was sufficiently drubbed below, he rose up to the ceiling, for Leuvenhoek and Schwammerdam had both seized short, thick sticks, and whenever the amateur descended they drove him up again by blows dexterously applied to that part of the body which best can bear them. It was a pretty game of racket, at which the amateur, 
by compulsion indeed played the most fatiguing and at the same time the most ungracious part namely that of the ball this war seemed to inspire the little one with the greatest terror she clung to peregrine and entreated him to bear her away from such an abominable uproar this he could the less refuse as there seemed to be no need of him on the field of battle and he therefore carried her home that is into the apartments of his lodger but no sooner had she got there and found herself alone with peregrine than she employed all the arts of the most refined coquetry to allure him into her snares however firmly he bore in mind that all this was merely falsehood and aimed at bringing his protege into captivity yet such a dizziness of the senses seized him that he did not even think of the microscopic glass which might have served him as an active antidote master flea was again in danger he was however saved this time by mr schwammer who entered with george pepusch the former appeared to be exceedingly delighted but the latter had wrath and jealousy in his burning glances peregrine left the room and with wounded heart he strode through the streets of frankfort he went through the gate and onwards till he reached the very spot where the strange adventure had happened with his friend pepusch here he again thought over his wonderful destiny the image of gamahe appeared to him lovelier than ever the blood rolled more quickly in his veins, his pulse beat more violently, and his breast seemed ready to burst with feverish desire. He felt only too painfully the greatness of the sacrifice which he had just made, and with which he fancied that he had lost all the happiness of life. The night had drawn in when he returned to the city. Without being aware of it, perhaps from an unconscious dread of going back to his own house, he wandered through many by-lanes, and at last into the Kalbecher street. A man with a knapsack on his back asked him if the bookbinder Lemmerhirtz did not live there, and on looking up Peregrine saw that he was actually standing before the narrow dwelling. The windows of the industrious binder, who worked through the night, were shining brightly and loftily and the door was opened to the man with a knapsack, who entered immediately. Peregrine now recollected, with vexation, that in the tumult of the last few weeks he had forgotten to pay the bookbinder for several jobs that he had executed for him. He resolved to go and settle all the very next morning. End of the Sixth Adventure, Part Two